Welcome to Smart Branding, a podcast dedicated to branding, naming, and domain names. I'm Tatiana Bonneau, and with my guests, we try to help you create and grow strong, memorable, and meaningful brands online. I believe time is one of our most precious assets, and so I want to thank you in advance if you decide to spend the next 30 minutes with us. I promise to do my best to make those worth it. Let's go! Yes, let's start with a little bit about yourself. How, how did you get into branding and subsequently, I guess, rebranding? Sure. I'm Jim Heininger. I lead the group called Rebranding Experts in the United States. And I come from a 20-year uh, career in the global PR agency environment, having worked for several of the large PR firms, and then served as a, a strategic communications consultant at McDonald's Corporation, which is based here in Chicago too. And it was uh, McDonald's who uh, uh, supported us in opening our own agency and served them for several years. And then we got into the rebranding side of work and opened rebranding experts about four years ago now. Okay, cool. And was that related to, like, did you help McDonald's rebrand in some way or? No, no, it was more once I opened my own firm, uh, we had several different uh, organizations come to us for rebranding support and found that work very interesting, challenging and really enjoyed it, but realized that it required a lot of capabilities that a traditional marketing or branding firm doesn't have uh, mm -hmm. in order for the rebranding to be successful. So things like leadership communications and engagement and uh, culture development and bringing in the HR function, um, change management, employee engagement and so forth. So we decided to open a new firm that focused specifically on rebranding and bring together all those capabilities into one team so that we could really help an organization from the very beginning of the rebranding to the end and really um, you know, building a new organization that would help them uh, move forward and face the future in a very positive way with this new brand. Mm -hmm. And how did you pick your, your own name? It, it's kind of self-explanatory rebranding experts, I guess. It is. And, and very intentionally is that um, uh, not only for SEO properties, you know, for, for us to be able to show up easily when somebody was looking for an expert or a specialist in rebranding that we would we would show up in the Google searches. So one of the interesting things about rebranding is that normally an organization doesn't go out and communicate to the world that they're going to rebrand. Um, it's a behind the scenes um, kind of stealth operation until they have the new brand selected and launch it. So that we realized that um, uh, we had to be in a position that people would find us as being an available expert um, and engage us without anybody knowing it to be able to help to support them in this effort. Mm -hmm. Okay. And when, is there a moment or are there some factors? How, how should the, uh, an entrepreneur or CEO or whatever the management in the company is know that it's time to rebrand? How does, do you experience, um, because you say, yeah, that it, it's usually an internal process, but like, how do people know they need that service at all? Right. Uh, interesting uh, question. It, there, you know, there usually is a trigger that, that would uh, 
move an organization to decide this is what we need to do. They might not know exactly that rebranding is the solution, but they realize that either their current brand is no longer relevant, it's not serving its purpose anymore, it's not differentiating them in their industry, uh, and that they, they really need to um, reinvent themselves and bring themselves you know, back out in a new, fresh, relevant way. Or there is a, you know, a change in the organization. So it's a, it's a new owner, or they've merged, or um, in many cases, there's private equity investment that comes into the organization that says, you know, we're planning on, uh, you know, want to set you up for success, but we want to purchase some other, you know, organizations in the same industry in the future. And we need a brand that we can put all these different organizations under. So let's rebrand this initial company and give it the kind of bigger umbrella positioning that'll work for the future. Mm -hmm. And you mentioned really the face to crisis. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Those are those are always a little more, um, you know, when it when an organization faces a crisis and feels like it needs to reposition itself for the future and somewhat lead that baggage behind. That's a little bit more of a tricky kind of a rebranding because you have to own up to what's happened in the past and you can't walk away from it and, and try to hide it. But there is certainly understandably a need to um, put a new face forward and, and make it make it relevant and, and interesting for the future. Yeah, that was a question I had down the list, but now that you we touched on it, like we've seen recently, especially obviously with information being so easily accessible and shareable, it's very hard for any brand, I guess, to put on a face and then do something else in the background. And also, I guess times have changed as well. So um, as customers, we are a lot more demanding. Um, so we've seen a lot of rebrands based on that and some of them with brands that like we've known for generations so what what would you say or how can a brand still keep that history and legacy because there is obviously value in that mm -hmm. but still rebrand to, to adapt like how, how how does that work do you help people with that sort of a problem yeah I, you know clearly heritage of a company and what it's done in the past and what it stood for and so forth is an important consideration that goes into developing that new brand. And, mm -hmm. and, uh, and in some organizations has more weight than it does others. We always like to say that people invest in the future. And mm -hmm. so let's lean into the future a little bit more in terms of, of defining a brand that is relevant and that will help you face forward as opposed to one that brings you backwards or holds you back. And so sometimes um, figuring out how that heritage supports a new brand and in what role it plays is the kind of challenging question that you need to solve. Um, but we always believe that, that, a, that a brand, kind of the golden rule of branding is that um, it, it needs to be aspirational. It needs to be something that supports you today forward. And so, um, determining what, what role heritage plays is, is unique to each organization. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. Do you want to get that? <laughs> nope, not at all. <laughs> okay. What, Sorry. what are some of the, no, it's okay. Yeah. What are some of the most common mistakes you, you see people make when it comes to rebranding? I guess branding as well, because if they get to rebrand, there must have been some mistakes <laughs> made already. Yeah, good, good 
good, uh, good uh, question there. So we find that, and we actually did some research about five years ago to understand what were the biggest obstacles that organizations faced when they rebranded. And clearly the number one um, factor was internal engagement and alignment behind the new brand. And that's everything from leadership engagement uh, and buy-in to the process and the fact that we're going to be selecting a new brand to you know, mid-level management and making sure that they're bought into it and that they are advocates for the process and then employees themselves who have to deliver a new customer experience based upon this new brand that they know what it is, they know how to do it, they share a lot of excitement for it as well. So that's one of the key reasons that we designed rebranding experts the way we did, which is to bring in all those um, uh, kind of engagement capabilities that are necessary to get an organization stood up and ready to use the new brand once it's mm -hmm. launched. Mm -hmm. And that's something that I find in, in branding is lacking, like oftentimes all the efforts about the brand is like, we need to have a brand, we need to have a story, we need to have a visual identity. Everything is directed uh, towards the consumer. So it's all external. And very often there isn't even a thought, even sometimes in bigger organization about, organizations about like, how does that all work and feel internally to do those right. people? So I guess when you do the rebranding, do you find that like there is that structure already internally in most cases, or do you have to? Okay. Oh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, we, uh, so, so in most rebrandings, uh, a disproportionate amount of, of effort is focused externally. And what's mm. the customer going to say? What's the industry going to say about our new brand name? And are they going to accept it? Are they going to like it? None of that even matters or can happen until everyone within the organization itself that's rebranding is behind it. So, mm. so we have found that most organizations under anticipate the role that that will play. Uh, and, and, build in several checkpoints along the way, you know, first of all, with leadership, you know, to make sure that they can communicate, you know, why we're rebranding, why, why is it necessary? Why have we chosen the new brand that has been proposed and why it works well and that they believe it and they can convey and excite others about it mm -hmm. before you can even go to employees, before you even start to tell employees. So you it's, you know, it's several layers of kind of training from the top down before you even launch it to the employees so that when they hear the leaders talking about the organization, maybe somebody that owned the company and sold it to, you know, to an investor or merged it with another company and they're sharing excitement about what that new brand is for the, for the company, they don't, if they don't believe that those leaders are 100% supportive of it, they're not going to be either. So mm -hmm. it, it's really spending the time to make sure that those layers on down the organization get it, believe it, and can really um, enthusiastically convey it to others. Hmm. Rebranding is usually like, it sounds like a scary thing to do. Like everybody thinks about risks and costs and, and, and you kind of making it sound positive. <laughs> Oh, it's all like no it, it does sound like literally we just spoke about something that most brand owners business owners don't even realize they have as a problem that 
the fact that internally they're not aware of how well known, received, lived is their brand. And that is something that um, obviously you, you do with rebrand. And in a way, it actually does sound like um, as reviving almost the, the business, because especially if we take as a starting point the, the issues that lead to rebrand. So like we've outgrown the, the, I don't know, the industry, the uh, you mentioned brand is not serving the purpose, etc. So it is, you know, it, it does sound very positive and I guess exciting. How how long does it usually take? I know it must be like hard to say. It really depends, but on average. So so interesting. The study that we conducted about five years ago, uh, and it asked uh, organizations that had rebranded. So they had already gone through the process what was the average length of time that it took? And it was 12 to 18 months. And that's a long time, you know, so from not only the decision to, that we're going to rebrand, but then the, you know, if it's engaging an outside agency supporter, um, you know, going through the process of coming up with a new brand, trademarking is a, is a long issue in the United States. It sometimes takes four to six months to get a new approval of a trademark. And most organizations don't want to launch it until they've gotten that approval from the government. So, mm -hmm. so you know, and then to get everybody in, internally, you know, uh, engaged and excited, and all your brand assets updated, and your new website design and so forth, it was about twelve to eighteen months. That's a long time for any kind of corporate initiative, and mm -hmm. keeping the excitement and the um, the enthusiasm behind it the whole way and not have people going back to asking that question, now, why are we doing this all over again? You know, they need to know why, why we're doing it, why it's important that it be done and look enthusiastically to that launch date when they can start to, to operate under a new brand name. So, uh, and that, that itself is one of the big risks of rebranding is keeping that momentum going throughout the whole process um, because it's easy for people to get distracted to, have other initiatives that are important to get done in the organization. And things change a lot in 12 to 18 months mm -hmm. in any company. And so all of a sudden, you know, is what we started a year ago still relevant today is, is kind of a test that you need to go through. Sure. And do you, do you follow through like all of that time you work with the organizations? Right. We, we don't let them go until that they've successfully rebranded and, um, <laughs> And have um, and have launched and have communicated out to other different stakeholders. We will we'll go through a process of um, you know putting in place for them. You know how are they going to measure the success of this because it, it will be a long term kind of measurement capability. And then what are the things they need to do to continue to live into this brand? You know if it's things that, that need to be done culturally or in terms of people's roles and responsibilities within the organization that take time to kind of implement, we'll give them a little bit of a roadmap as to, okay, we're, you know, we're ready to turn you loose with your new brand now. Here are the things that you need to continue to do to make this a success. And then they take on that responsibility from there. That's cool. That sounds great. Has the pandemic affected your business in any way and how? The pandemic? Mm -hmm. um, the pandemic has, um, slowed down, obviously, a lot of um, uh, a lot of rebranding projects that we had, like you know, already in the works a year and a half ago uh, in mm -hmm. 2019 and, and 2020. 
other obviously priorities within the organization took you know the most important um, uh, role so that the, they slowed down on the rebranding because they had to deal with people working from home and changing you know um, production uh, capabilities and so forth. <clears throat> then there came a point where people were like, okay, we need to get back to this and get this done and over with. That if anything, how we emerge out of this pandemic from a competitive situation in their industry, they needed new news. They needed excitement. They needed something that, that further, you know, better differentiated them against their competition. So all of a sudden, halfway through the pandemic, the energy came back to let's get this finished up because we need to emerge strong as soon as you know, the world goes back to normal. So that was one of the interesting things. We saw a lot of um, uh, org uh, like industries that were hit especially hard, like travel and hospitality. You know, many organizations just shrunk in their size and suddenly had to um, look at um, either mergers or acquisitions. And, and that kind of changed the whole need for rebranding in some of those different industries. So that's still kind of in the early stages and we're probably gonna see more of that as you know, there are those um, uh, businesses that just didn't make it through the pandemic strong enough and now need to you know, look at what their business options are and, and that could possibly include a rebranding as part of a different organization. Okay. And how do you, oh, no, let's say that, what type of businesses do you work with? So what type of business, like, let's say, do I have to be, is there a specific size, location, what type of a business can come to you and you'd be happy to work with them? So we, we tend to get called most by organizations, you know, that are, are smaller or mid-size, who have a, an internal marketing or communications capability, but it's not, a, it's not a large robust team and doesn't have the resources to you know, determine how to approach this process, how to lead through a rebranding expert. So they really need an, out, uh, an outside expert like us to kind of come in and help. Um, a large corporation with a you know, big robust team and budget usually has the capacity to do the planning and to move this along and, and to be able to rebrand you know, in, with a different kind of support role. Those small to mid-sized businesses, mid-cap, we kind of call them here in the US, are the ones that tend to call us more frequently um, just because they need an extra level of, of support and team members who can focus on this effort uh, mm -hmm. as they're continuing to do business as usual. That's the interesting thing about, about a rebranding is, business goes on as usual, and this is like an extra level or layer of work that people have to do at, on top of their day jobs. And that's a little bit what makes it stressful too, is that they are trying to keep up with the timeline, they're trying to keep it moving and keeping progress going, and at the same time do their regular jobs and meet the business demands as well. So that's where we play a, a really good role in terms of coming in as an extra team to help them move through this process. We've done it many times. We know how to do it. We know what to anticipate every step along the way. So can guide them to say, okay, here's what's going to happen next. You know, this is going to be a little bit of a frustrating process because of these different dynamics. So have a lot of patience and let's go through it step at a time. We'll come through on the other side. It's going to be okay, but, but realize 
that it's a it's a real emotional roller coaster for most organizations to go through this. And how do you keep that interest and that enthusiasm going over what could be 12 to 18 months? Mm. Yeah, that's a lot of work. And as well, as you mentioned, yeah, you have to keep going with things like business and life continues. But you would also have, I would imagine, to prepare everything for once that's done. So that's always on somebody's, on everybody's mind. Yeah, so that's not, yeah. not an easy process. Do you have a favorite rebrand story? We, well, there's one that we just did, which I, 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 um, I particularly love. And, and then there's another one that's happened here in the Chicago area where we are that I have always admired. And let me do that one first. It was a, an organization called the Rehabilitative Institute. And it was primarily um, a, a, a medical facility that worked with individuals that either had suffered severe injury and, um, or, or perhaps like a stroke or you know, a debilitating kind of setback. And they did the rehabilitation process in terms of you know, the, 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 the medical side, the physical abilities and mental abilities and so forth to help get people back um, to, to, you know, a full and rich life. And they rebranded to a new name called the Ability Lab. Oh. And it was a very forward-looking, positive kind of um, name and branding. And, and, and it always, ref, you know, always reflects a change in the way you do business as well, too. And so they brought together all the different partners in this process on helping an individual rehabilitate and regain their ability and worked as one team. So they had a different new differentiating kind of way that they were gonna present themselves. And this made it so much more positive than mm. the Rehabilitative Institute. Um, as you say it, it's, it's well, that, that's why I love naming and names. It's just that one thing and you imagine a completely different thing. Yeah. And also yep. I would imagine the whole team behind it, like coming to work every day, it's like I work there, that's what I do. It literally yeah. changes your attitude. And that's good rebranding. Yep, that's what it can yeah. do. And, and, and really, you know, spark a fire and, and new enthusiasm within a company because the way they're going to tell their story now is so much more relevant. It's so much more positive. And, and they see people responding to it when they tell them the new name and they're like, oh my gosh, this is, this is going to work great going forward. We, uh, another one we just did, which was an interesting... Um, uh, naming process as well too. It's a, a pro professional service firm based here in Chicago. They do executive coaching and leadership development and helping organizations if they have to um, adjust their workforce or reduce their workforce to help those people get new jobs. Um, and uh, we spent a lot of time with them really trying to understand, you know, what is it that they created, you know, for organizations, for their clients going forward. And you know, we had a couple names that were, you know, really coming to the top. One of them was Bravura, which means to go bravely. Um, and the second name uh, option was Avanti, which is a, I think it's an Italian exclamation meaning go forward with enthusiasm and courage. And, and we realized that by putting these two names together, we not only merged, the, you know, two meanings and linked them, but we also, um, created a word that was going to be much easier to trademark in the United States. So that the, the new name was Bravanti, and it means to go courageously forward. 
And the minute that all came together and we realized, first of all, we were there, there were no other names or organizations uh, branded as Bravanti. So we weren't gonna have any problem in terms of getting a trademark, any kind of competitive issues. The enthusiasm level just rolled forward for people to say that this is the name, this is something that will differentiate us. We're so excited, it really brings new energy. And, mm -hmm. and it's so unlike anything else in their industry. And, mm -hmm. and the minute we hit that point, it started rolling forward in a very enthusiastic kind of way. Great. Yeah. I've, I've been in IT before I got into naming and branding. And it's a similar feeling when, when you get the right name the first time for a new project. Mm -hmm. And it, it's highly underestimated because I've had so many times because I was in IT at the time, I wasn't in naming or even branding or marketing. We were just like building software, building website. And you don't even realize how much that changes and how much you miss not having a name. I wrote an article on that topic recently. But like when you have a whole team, even if it's a great idea and they love their idea, uh, it's like you're talking about what about it it's gonna do that it's do you know what i mean it, it's like until you give it a name and that's what I'm, i keep saying to people like you give it a name then it's a project otherwise right. you know ideas we have like i'm 50 a day i don't know it's yep. it's not the same thing yeah. yeah and that's you know that's the excitement that rebranding can bring an organization you know and really um if it's needed you know to to you know rally the troops get the excitement building have people kind of fall in love with their, their company again, you know, and their employer again, because they yeah. think it's so new and dynamic and fresh and competitive. And, and all of a sudden it just starts to produce new energy in ways that it hasn't in the past. That's amazing. Great. Uh, you touched on when you go through the naming process that um, obviously trademarking is a concern. What about domain names? And like social media handles, do you? I'm, I'm going to ask you about domain names, obviously. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, how, where does that come into the process, if at all? So, so when we are going through the, the naming process and coming up with kind of final options, you know, so once they're ones that have really, you know, we kind of determined that these are, these should stay on the table for consideration, then we do a, a cursory trademark search and domain search because. Um, we don't want to limit the creative process by continually saying, nope, you can't use that, you can't do that, you can't, do, you know, we want to empower the creative process by saying we will find the right word and, and name for the organization, you know, so remove any of those kind of obstacles. When it comes to um, uh, the trademarking and domain, though, in the United States, trademarking is a huge issue. It's, it's really, you know, that's the biggest hurdle that we have to get over. And it's an easy process because you just go online and check the database for organizations and see if there's anything there. Then you have to consult a trademark attorney who will evaluate it to say, are you in any way in competitive industries or sell competitive products or services so that you would um, create confusion in the mind of the customer? And that's what the trademark um, patent office looks at is, you know, does this create any confusion for the for the, the customer to be able to differentiate between these two organizations? Once you're kind of cleared that hurdle a little a little bit, then we start to look at domains, uh, and and oftentimes domains today uh, are either 
um, already taken and being used, sometimes internationally. So it's not even a US-based company. It's a, it's a, mm -hmm. um, a, a, a global organization or you um, uh, have to spend a lot of money to buy that domain and organizations are always a little hesitant about doing that, you know, and, you know, is that worth it and so forth. So it sometimes requires modifying your brand um, or your domain name to be able to use that, that new um, trademarked name, you know, by either a, um, a, a different extension, be it .net or .us or so forth, or the addition of something to it that makes it um, relevant for the future. So, you know, it could be, a, a, you know, adding a numeral or a hyphen or something like that, that just makes sure that it's, a, it's an obtainable domain. But it's challenging as well, you know, because that in today's world, that is the first way any, any consumer in a, in a direct-to-consumer effort is going to find you is by that domain name. So it's a challenge. We, you know, the, the, the big trend that we're seeing in the U.S., um, there are really two big trends in rebranding, actually. The first is those organizations which um, uh, regretfully years ago chose a name which has some kind of um, uh, racist feeling or tone to it or depiction to it. And they are now having to um, change those brand names, whether it's a football team or a baseball team or a pancake company. They are, they're having to change their names because they are just so out of place today and so irrelevant. So that's one big, one big trend we're seeing. The other one is the shortening and simplification of names. So, mm -hmm. um, you know, maybe, a, a, you know, even a small company that was, you know, the, um, the Johnson Tractor Company, which sold tractors to farmers or something like that. And now they're selling other kind of equipment and so forth. And so tractors too limiting. So they drop descriptive words or names and just go by the name Johnson. Mm -hmm. um, we're seeing that a lot in you know, yeah. different fields. And, and it, you know, it's partly because we as, as consumers are really starting to use one name descriptors for companies. And, and any new tech company that starts up now is always one simple, easy name and it makes a really you know nice um, logo and a tile for your smartphone and so forth so we're seeing a lot of people shedding extra language that they have in their names and really going with the the one word that is most powerful and has the most equity in it hmm. which makes it even harder i guess doing your job <laughs> oh well it's a it's a discovery process of you know what is it that what's most important in this name and what else can we just trim off and, and let go of now so that we can just have a better stronger differentiating brand yeah i think it was exupery wasn't it who said perfection is not when you when there's nothing else to add it's when there's nothing else to take out oh that's good yeah <laughs> All right. Uh, what's next? What's what's next for rebranding experts? What do you have? Well, there's not much left of the year, but still. <laughs> so, so one of the interesting things that we are um, that we're spending time even um, uh, bolstering up our capabilities on and so forth is is the the customer experience process as part of um, part of a rebranding, and. Working with those organizations that are that are choosing a new brand on 
you know, that deeper dive into their customer experience journey and what are all the different touch points that need to be changed along that, that process. Um, you know, is there an e-commerce capability as well that needs to have a similar updating or be re-engineered entirely so that it delivers against this new brand promise? Um, and that's, you know, it's kind of the, the merger of all the rebranding um, activity that's in the marketplace and all this customer experience focus that organizations are going through and making sure that this is the time, the opportune time to bring that all together and align it in a new and exciting way. And so um, that, and those things tend to take longer to, um, you know, to execute against. And so oftentimes the, the change will start as we're getting ready to launch the new brand, but there's a lot of follow through work that still needs to happen in terms of making that, um, uh, making it come to fruition and, and actually um, be fully visible to the customer. Right. Yeah, that, that makes sense. That's becoming a trend now with my interviews where I say that's the last question and then I add another one, but I have another one. Last <laughs> okay. <laughs> no, it, it just happens that way. No, because you mentioned uh, consumers, so the customers of the brand, so the end users. Is there, and, and that's a huge concern, I guess, when somebody is considering a rebrand, like how are they going to, you mentioned, how are they going to take it? Is there, do you do that sort of thing? Is it a done thing? Is there a way to test that? before you actually launch the rebranding process? So testing the new name, the new brand yeah. to, to see what, what experience or what, what the reaction is. So every organization is different in terms of how comfortable they are going to market with their new brand. Um, some, you know, originally will start out saying, we want to go out and test it with a you know a group of consumers and you know and, and get their reaction to it and and also you know um, learn or uncover if there's any unanticipated reaction to it that you know that that through all our work that we're doing we didn't see and so this is a you know this is just kind of a pressure test or a safety net to make sure that you know we 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 learn those things. Interestingly enough, when you get to the point of having that new brand, and we've done all our basic research in terms of saying, you know. Um, you know, here's a here's a maybe a word in a, in another non-English language that is close that somebody may say, you know, is this the same and so forth. Companies end up being um, less feel it's less important to go out and test it, and and they'll do a um, a smaller focus group kind of, you know, bouncing it off of a few key clients maybe. Um, or customers of theirs and getting their reaction to it or going to an industry expert that would say, you know, on a confidential basis, having them look at it, you know, that somebody that's got a broad view of all the different players within a particular industry and so forth. So while there's always a lot of enthusiasm to start that we're going to go out and test this and make sure that it's, you know, it's, it's 100%, you know, you know, ready to go. When it comes time to actually do that, they tend to tend to say, yeah, let's just test it with a few folks instead. Mm -hmm. So um, it's an interesting, you know, we always have to say that can be expensive too, you know, depending upon what kind of survey mechanism you have, <clears throat> what tool you use, you could spend a lot of money testing the brand. And all of a sudden we see their confidence level go so high in it that they say, no, we don't need to invest as you know, much doing that. Let's, let's do ask a few folks, but not in a very formal kind of research effort. Mm. 
Yeah, I've seen some, but that really depends, I guess, on the on the type of brand image and the type of um, customers they have. I've seen some uh, brands that actually involve their audience in the rebrand. So like they get name suggestions or logo suggestions or, and I actually admire it quite a bit because I can see like it's very cool in terms of creating a buzz and engagement, but I can see how it can go very wrong as well. So, well, so yeah. Yeah, you know, and there, there's kind of two thoughts on that because it was maybe a year or two ago we saw this uptick in in what we were calling crowdsourcing rebranding, and it tended to be smaller organizations that they, they used it as a positive customer interaction way to say, "You're, you know, our relationship and your viewpoint is very important to us, so we want to share this with you and tell us what you think, and you know, and so forth," and and were getting feedback and then they were having going back and making their decision on what they were going to do going forward. A couple of things that that happened in that process that we we saw and so we started advising clients is that first of all the minute you tell people that you're potentially changing your name, um, you're changing your brand, you're gonna, you know, you're gonna be, be going through this kind of dramatic transformation, the potential to confuse them goes mm -hmm. up. And, and, and you'll have many customers that will say, well, no, wait a second, I thought you changed your name. No, we didn't change your name. We were just asking what you thought of this, this new name that we were considering. So you, you, there's, a, there's a possibility of creating confusion out there. And that's the last thing you want in this whole process, you know, is to, to, to be confusing your own customer as to what name you're going by and what they should call you and so forth. And then the second thing is, um, when you go to rebrand, we, we lean very heavily into the philosophy as, as try to flip the switch on one day as much as possible that all your new brand assets will switch over to the new, to the new brand. And you make a big announcement. You, know, um, you, you, you do a big event internally to say, okay, we're going live now. And you then launch it externally and make your big announcement to the media and so forth, and you flip over your website and all your materials and so forth. It's impossible to do that 100% in one day, but anything that you can do that eliminates the question as to what name do you go by now, or should I look for the old domain or the new domain or whatever, the more successful you're gonna be at, at gaining, you know, getting that new customer attention and, and excitement behind it. So by walking and engaging customers in a rebranding process, you run, you kind of double down on this risk of, of confusion and, and not, you know, unclarity. And you don't want that. You want it to be super clear to people. So I think that kind of crowdsourcing of rebranding works better in small organizations, you know, you know, where they're not, um, you know, they, they, and they may have a, like a lot of personal touch or relationship with their customers and so forth, as opposed to a bigger one that, you know, don't give the, and don't give your competition any reason to say those people don't know what they're doing. They can't even decide what name they want, you know, mm -hmm. and, and then they're taking advantage of the fact that you're doing a positive thing about trying to, trying to get customer input into your rebranding. So we're, we're, we tend to, to say, let's do all the work internally. We can test it confidentially if needed, but then let's go out with a big bang and, and try to, you know, to transition all your brand assets as, as much as possible on one day, and you are that new company on that day.
Yeah. And you also kind of create and own your story then. I guess it's, um, yeah, it, it's, it's one thing to engage customers, but it's kind of still your job to, to create that story and then make them feel part of it. Right. Yeah. Okay. Well, that was really my last question. <laughs> <laughs> Good one. Okay. Well, thank you very much. That, that's been a pleasure. Um, yeah. yeah. Terrific. Let me know any other questions and thank you very much. Thank you too. Have a good All right. Take care. Bye bye. Yeah. Thank you for joining us in this episode of Smart Branding Podcast. Feel free to visit smartbranding.com for more information and reach out if you have any suggestions, questions, ideas, or just want to learn more about how a good domain name strategy can help you build a strong and successful brand. See you next time.